in a time where parents have the weight of a thousand decisions on their shoulders and every step is like walking in quicksand, adventure's probably not in your focus. However, research shows families who adventure are more resilient and have significantly healthier minds and bodies. The purpose of this podcast is to help families connect through simple and authentic adventure experiences. Welcome to Ordinary Sherpa, your online community designed to help you connect, reach your summit, and create meaningful adventure experiences with your family. Hello and welcome to Ordinary Sherpa. I'm your host, Heidi Dusick. We are in Alaska and slowing down, which is a new adventure for us for sure. When we crossed the border in June into Canada, I was reminded last year about how different it was because it was a new experience. I had never taken an RV across the border. Actually, it was the first time we really traveled across any international border with our kids and so and with the dog. I mean, there were a lot of little things that were new, right? And we were testing last year, the potential of taking a family gap year. We were hosted by Banff and Lake Louise Tourism. And while it was lovely, I also learned that we prefer a different kind of travel. Yes, Banff is absolutely gorgeous. And we found so many other places and experienced a different kind of beauty that reinforced that we prefer on tourism. I continue to reflect and refine what on tourism means, but I know the second we arrived at Moraine Lake that I wasn't there to check the bucket list. This episode will walk you through how did we explore Canada a bit differently this year and with a keen awareness of our untourism tendencies. If you've never heard of untourism, I like to refer to it as traveling deeper for a more immersive experience into a destination and community. It also reflects socially conscious travel, by combating over-tourism, supporting local small businesses, and an overall more experiential-based travel. I do offer a free beginner's guide to untourism if you want to dive deeper into this topic, so I'll link to that in the show notes. First and foremost, I must share that while I have significant experience traveling by airline with kids, camping, international travel, and RV travel, I can't begin to express that so much of what I have learned has come from the community of Sherpas who were ahead of me on this journey. And while I can scour the internet and do research, sometimes you simply have to connect with a person to get your specific questions answered. So in addition to this episode, I have written a blog post of a lot of questions that were asked of me. The corresponding blog post is five tips for crossing the Canadian border. It was inspired by specific questions people asked me, largely because it's hard to find the answers to these questions. I had heard horror stories of crossing the border, and being that we were traveling in an RV with three kids and a dog, I figured there was just more to figure out. The hard part I answer in my blog because these were the questions I literally spent days trying to find answers to, and crossing the border into Canada was much easier if you follow these five tips. So I'll just walk through them high level. You can go into much more detail in the blog post, again, linked in the show notes. But first and foremost, you need to know your port of entry. I kid you not, the only way I could find where these port of entries actually were was by going to our National Geographic Road Atlas, which is an adventure edition, like the paper atlas. I'd look at each state map and see the little flag crisscross symbols, and that to me was a border crossing. So we have crossed the border since last summer four times. 
once in North Dakota, once in Montana, once in Idaho, and once in Michigan, and found that the experience is similar. Each port of entry has a few nuances, one of them being their operating hours. And it's hard to find that ahead of time. So I'll just give you a heads up. I think most of them operate until 9 p.m. Only a few operate 24 hours a day. We actually found a couple that only operate until 5 p.m. So if you can look ahead when you are crossing the border to know roughly where you're going to be or just plan to cross the border during normal business hours, it'll make your life a little bit easier just not having to stress over that. The second topic is around required documents. The easiest way to travel for everyone was to have a passport. And I shared tips for traveling with kids and dogs that I won't go into on the podcast. But getting the kids passports last year will also encourage us to consider more international travel with the kids. There's not any COVID requirements this year like we had last year with the Arrive Can process. But that would be something to keep an eye on too as things change. One of the things that doesn't change as frequently but still is something to keep an eye on as well is what's prohibited. Again, I go into much more detail in the blog post, but there's two that I would highlight, and those are fruits, poultry, and dog food. Regardless of what it is, my overall tip is keep all food in the original packaging. We were only questioned on a few things and voluntarily discarded some items. Personal travel does not have the same limitations for food, so you have quite a bit that you can take in. And I was initially worried, you know, with traveling in the RV and the fact that we were going to be grocery shopping, that we would have to discard all our food. That was not the case. But there are still some limits that you need to be aware of. The next topic I would say high level is just know that you're going to have issues with phone SIM cards, GPS, and kilometers, (laughs) partially because they're in a metric system. So the systems have to change in order for you to function in their country. It caught us quickly off guard. I knew we needed phone SIM cards to be in the local Canadian network. I also knew they were in kilometers. I knew our GPS was linked to our phone. So all of those things just kind of, I guess I didn't expect them to happen as quickly as they did. So for example, we crossed the border knowing we needed a new SIM card, but didn't know how to get to a store to find the SIM card. So we just kind of drove until we found the next town and hoped that there was either a big box store like a Walmart or there were or other phone providers, which there were. There's quite a few of them around. We decided not to upgrade our phone plan to cover international travel, partially because it was just easier for us to keep things the way they were. The SIM card that we bought, we just bought a prepaid lucky card. It's a plan that they have really across the country. But the SIM card was $10 and then you can choose a plan for the month that works for you. So I believe my husband and I went with like two and a half gigabytes of data. It had free international texting. I don't think we had free international calling. So we would just tell people, hey, can you call us at our Canadian phone number? And it was just easy because then it was peace of mind. We had access to things when we needed them. The service was pretty good most of the time. Most of the places we were traveling just don't have service. So when you're going into some of these national parks, there's just not a signal. And when we travel, we tried to keep our phones in airplane mode most of the time to conserve our data, but also force us to use local Wi-Fi when it was accessible. So it just automatically would require us to not hop on our data plan. The first speed limit sign of 100 kilometers per hour, though, really had us raising our eyebrows. I think the next one was... When the kids saw 
$1.64 per liter of gas. We all kind of were scratching our heads like, is that cheap? For a split second, we almost thought it was. If I'm just going to do the math for you really quick, there's multiple conversions to consider in that one. So one mile equals 1.6 kilometers. So in my head, I simply said, okay, the, the speed limit's two thirds of what's posted. In this case, 100 kilometers per hour is roughly 70 miles per hour. And liters to gallons is still confusing because there is one gallon equals 3.79 liters, but then you also have the exchange rate of the US dollar versus the Canadian dollar. So roughly speaking, we were paying a little over 4 to $5 per gallon for US gallon of gas. Which brings me to currency. We use travel rewards through credit cards, and most of those do not have any foreign transaction fees. So whenever possible, we opted to use our credit cards for to pay for any purchases. But I do have a travel tip. The easiest way to get the currency, the local currency, is to go to an ATM. If you do go and pull out the local currency, have your financial institution do the exchange rate, not the ATM or the local bank. They will ask you a question, and it's always confusing to me, but always ask yourself, which one is going to use my local bank? Essentially, you want your U.S. bank to do the exchange rate for you. Beyond the border crossing, there are several other things that you can do to just have a more authentic travel experience. Some of my favorite places to go that help inform what the local culture is like is the local grocery store, the local outdoor store, such as like a bike shop, and indie bookstores or public libraries. You can learn a lot simply by looking at what's available. In one grocery store, we noticed an entire aisle of Asian spices and sauces in a community of less than a thousand people. And it just had us scratching our heads. We were not, I guess, expecting that. It was a surprise to us. It was really interesting to me that there also was lychee. It's a fruit we had from a farm stand in Hawaii was available at most of the grocery stores. Or several grocery stores and bakeries offered namino bars and butter tarts. All of these are an invitation for further discovery. We found local trails at bike shops, but we've also heard stories from local authors as well. Some of the places I would share, we've had really awesome untourist experiences. One of them was Wasa Lake Provincial Park. It's pretty close to the border in British Columbia. It's where we camped our first night. They had tons of first come, first serve sites available, a pump track for biking, several great beaches, both for swimming as well as a prime spot for stand-up paddleboarding. And I think the funny thing about Wasa Lake Campground is that all of their quote-unquote pit toilets actually flush. And they were incredibly clean. One person came back and they're like, you have to go see the pit toilets. Now, I can't say that's an exclamation point that comes with many of our <laughs> experiences in pit toilets, but it was a unique experience. We stayed there on our way to Golden, British Columbia, which I highly recommend over Banff by a line slide. You have access to five different national parks and it's a much smaller town without the tourist feel. The Golden Visitor Center also has an app that's really good to help navigate all the options. So we came through Golden last year and just walked the river walk. We were mesmerized by the covered bridge and the story that erected that bridge. The outdoorsy community, the bakery and the indie bookstore was just it was great. And we were only there for a couple of hours. And I remember fondly looking at my husband and saying, I could live here. And that's always a sign like we need to explore more deeply. We have an affinity for smaller towns, so I love the good-hearted nature of adventurous friends. We felt that quickly when we visited Golden, so we knew we could just skip Banff this time and come straight here. 
not to mention the Canascus River. It's literally the color of that Gatorade flavor, Glacier Ice. It is the lightest blue. I get thirsty every single time I walk past it. It's so mesmerizing. I think something different about being an untourist is you reject the notion that everything is a YOLO or you only live once or a once in a lifetime experience. Wanderlust Heidi had this notion that I always wanted to experience new places and do different things. And I've begun to really reject that mindset and embrace that we can experience things differently the next time we come. So along the Icefield Parkway up to Jasper, we decided to stay longer at a provincial recreational area that we camped at overnight last year. The bear activity was pretty high in that area, and there were several things along the parkway that we didn't get to experience last year. So I refer to this as the Saskatchewan Crossing because it's pretty remote, and there weren't many guides to help us navigate this area beyond the information panel at our campground. So throughout, if I talk about the Saskatchewan Crossing, I'm really talking about the middle of the Icefield Parkway in between Banff and Jasper National Parks. If I was making suggestions for where to stop along the parkway, it would be Pato Lake. It's a short, paved, but uphill hike, but it's completely paved, short, beautiful blue. Mistea Canyon. I love this spot because it's off the beaten path a little bit and there's no tour buses that go there. So most people are ready to just kind of bypass that and head to Columbia Glacier. I would actually skip Columbia Glacier. I feel like it is a tourist hotspot. And the the little monster tracks that go up on the glacier, yeah, they're kind of cool. They take a very steep angle to get on and off of the glacier, but I just don't feel like it's doing the glacier justice. Having been to multiple glaciers in Alaska, the experience was much more authentic, much more local. And it just felt like there were hordes of people. Every time we go past the Columbia Glacier and the Athabascan Glacier, there's a bunch of glaciers that all merge in that one area. It just feels like a hotbed of tourist activity. So I I wouldn't say it's the highlight of our trip. However, there are several other things. Oh, another thing I would say skip is the Skywalk. It's actually several kilometers away from the glacier. So you're just kind of overlooking a cliff. I don't understand it. I Again, I would just skip it. it. I wouldn't recommend people doing it. If you want to do it, go ahead. But for me, I just felt like that was a tourist trap. If you want to see stunning waterfalls, the Athabasca Falls and Sunwapta Falls are some of my favorites, and I would suggest them. At Sunwapta Falls, you can do the lower falls hike, and it just keeps going because you think you're coming to a stop, like you'll get to a waterfall, and you're thinking, oh my gosh, this one is so much better than the last one. And then you realize the fence hasn't stopped. So you just keep following the fence line and there's another waterfall and another waterfall. I think we counted eight waterfalls in total and most people stop at the first one. In Jasper, my favorite hikes were the Valley of Five Lakes and Old Fort Point Trail. Both are stunning, but for very different reasons. So the Valley of Five Lakes will require some bug spray but the views of teal green waters get better with each lake. And I should note that Parks Canada also hosts a red chair adventures. They place two red chairs strategically off the beaten path. And I know there's one at the Valley of Five Lakes and Old Fort Point as well. So they both host these red chairs. Old Fort Point Trail is amazing for views of the entire area for miles. Plus, there's some resident bighorn sheep that like to hang out up there. It's really impossible to describe the feeling and the views when you summit that hike. By the way, this is an episode where you're going to want to click over to the show notes just because 
everything I'm talking about is actually linked in the show notes. So if you're just listening, you might want to also make a point to, you know, grab the show notes, send the link to yourself, email yourself, whatever you need to do, but make sure you check out the show notes and maybe save some of them for future planning to the Canadian Rockies. So having visited the Saskatchewan Crossing last year, another key point in untourism is to leverage what is available to you. Both the Thompson Creek and Whistler campgrounds boasted nature time. If you've listened to episode 105 with my seven-year-old or episode 106 with my 11-year-old, you heard the Creek at Jasper was one of their most memorable adventures, and it didn't cost us anything more than our stay at the campground. I would echo a very similar experience this year. Both Saskatchewan Crossing and Jasper were opportunities for what I'm going to call wildhood, having unplanned, unorganized time in nature. The kids simply explored and I sat back and observed. Having the time and space in your schedule to just be allows the kids this freedom to explore and to create, and it might just be the most memorable thing from the trip. Our trek up the Alaska Highway, or the Alcan, previously known as the Alcan, was new territory for us. There wasn't traffic per se. It was clearly an interstate of RVers to Alaska. My untourism tip is to be willing to not follow the crowd. It was really clear from our visit to Laird Hot Springs, which I do recommend for a hot springs experience, that we were not like most others. We didn't need to make time and could feel the energy when it was time to stop and linger. Building in an extra day, especially on long road trips, to have a down day and not drive was really energizing for all of us. We opted to go the more scenic route from Whitehorse into the Yukon Territory up to Alaska by way of Haines Junction. The Yukon does an amazing job of offering First Nation experiences, and our first exposure to that was the Daku Cultural Center, which shares a building with the Kluwani National Parks Visitor Center. And when we are exposed to new things as we travel, we try to practice unschooling and allow curiosity to offer an invitation for discovery. I've learned so much and inspired to keep learning more about the 14 First Nations of the Yukon. And we've read several books and will continue to learn from others' experiences. So my key takeaways from this episode are number one, know just enough about your route and the communities that you will visit to be excited, but not so much to overwhelm you. Use the Sherpa philosophy to ask those ahead of you for their tips or specific questions if you aren't finding the answers to your questions. Number two, some of my favorite places to go to help inform the local culture are the local grocery store, local outdoor store such as a bike shop, an indie bookstore, or public library. They offer a local perspective and also offer a unique invitation for discovery. Number three, travel destinations are not once-in-a-lifetime experiences. Reject that mindset and allow yourself the ability to experience things differently next time. Number four, have the time and space built into your schedule to allow the kids the freedom to explore and create. Leverage the resources that are currently available to you. And number five, be willing to not follow the crowd. Again, this episode is going to be one that you're going to want to click over to the show notes. I have several links in the show notes, many of the links to the locations I talk about, but also the blog post, Five Tips for Crossing the Canadian Border, and a Beginner's Guide to Untourism. I hope this inspires you to think a little bit differently about what your summer travel plans might look and feel like and to get off the beaten path a little bit more do something a little bit different than what everybody else is doing. Until next week, keep on adventuring. 
found value from today's show, here are three easy ways you can support us. Subscribe to Ordinary Sherpa Podcast on the platform you're listening to. It lets the providers know that you're getting value from the show and want to be around when we release additional content. If you feel compelled, leave us a review. Two, find your friends, family, and others you think would enjoy this show and share this episode. Three, and most importantly, join the community of families interested in creating authentic experiences through simple adventures by going to OrdinarySherpa.com backslash community. We want to hear from you and create content that would benefit your family. Thanks for joining us on this journey as we help families connect through adventure.